You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. fine. Uh, Living as as third, the Bible says, is genuine proof that I love God. It's not how much scripture you know. It's not how much you attend church. Not Not how great an orator I am as a pastor. No, no. Look, so convicting, so challenging. Living as third is genuine proof that I love God. And I don't live third naturally. That's why Paul the Apostle said, I die daily. Many of us are often impressed whenever someone displays the fruits of their efforts, such as memorizing a large portion of scripture. At face value, it can be easy to perceive such efforts as a sure sign that someone's truly saved. However, as Pastor Danny will remind you in his message today, it's not about how much scripture you know, but rather picking up your cross daily. In his study, you'll learn about the heart behind the Apostle Paul's letter and how he emphasized the importance of dying to self daily. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans, chapter 16, as he continues his message, I, Tertius. called the men to be leaders, so we're going to lead out. And we're going to say this, and you're going to say it loudly, loudly, loudly. And as we say it, I'm going to count to three. We'll say it together, just the men, just the men, and then we're going to give the ladies a turn. And it's a good spiritual competition. I expect the men to win. We want to know who's going to declare to God the loudest that he is wise, and he's the only wise God. And I don't want to take advantage of the microphone as a man and make it louder just because I have the mic. So when I count to three and the men are going to say this, I'm going to turn the mic off, all right? I'll turn it off before I count to three. I'll count to three loud enough that everybody can hear. And every man here, every man here, I want you to say it to God, not to me, not toward, you know, we're saying it to God. He's listening and he's the only wise God. So you got it? On the count of three, men first, we're going to say together to God, declaring his wisdom. Ladies, you can't, no, you're not going to, no, we're going to give the ladies a turn. So again, I'm going to turn the mic off. I'm going to count to three and then I'm going to let the ladies declare to God his wisdom. You ready? Vote. I think, man, uh, we won, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know why we do that? Because we want to be first. This is the antithesis of the message. Now, here's what I want to do to close it out. 
I want us all to say it even louder than you said it the first time and we're saying it to God. Only this time, there's something else added in the text. And I want us all together to add what the text adds, and it's amen. I don't want to assume everybody knows what amen means. Amen means it is true. Amen can also mean so be it. If you hear a prophecy, sometimes the response to the prophecy, yet future, not fulfilled yet, is amen. So be it. So be it. So it can mean it is true. We agree with that truth. Or it can mean so be it. And so we're saying this is true. This is true. We're declaring it. We're saying amen. So we're going to all say it together. And I'm going to leave my mic on this time, but we're going to say it as loud as we can all together, guys and gals. And we're going to add after we make the statement to God, we're going to say amen. You ready? One. Yes. Stand there. Thank you, Nelson. Thank you. 38 years pastor. He's helping me out. All right. All right. You ready? One, two, three. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. One more time, a little bit louder. One, two, three. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. We just did that for the rest of the message. The wisdom of God. You see, why in the world did you title the message, I, Tertius? Because that's what his name means. Tertius means third. I, third, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. I want to take you to a few texts to drive home what God has to say to us here. Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. Jesus often debated in his first coming with the religious leaders. He never lost a debate. And in this one debate, he's debating with the Sadducees. And in the midst of the debate, verse 28 one of the teachers of the law, so this guy knows the Bible, came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? That's an excellent question. They had meticulously divided up the Old Testament commandments into 613 specific commandments. And so what he's saying is of all the 613 commandments we know in the Bible, which are the most important? And Jesus, verse 29 says, the most important one answered Jesus is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Anybody can understand that answer. You can put it another way. You can put it the same way that high school football star put it on his wall. God first, other second, and I am third. It's not natural. 
doesn't come naturally. We saw that last week as we looked at even the, the, the starting team that Jesus prayed all night and chose, and they, they struggled because that's the root of sin. It's selfishness. We all struggle with it. You struggle with it in marriage. Struggle with it in your job. Struggle with it in life. We want to be first. I don't naturally think of a blessing when the guy cuts me off on the road. I don't naturally think of a blessing. My horn gave out two weeks ago in my truck. My wife couldn't have been happier. <laughs> Unfortunately, I got it repaired last Thursday. God first, others second, I'm third. The Jewish leaders in Jesus' first coming were terrible examples of this. Terrible. And sometimes today, religious leaders are terrible examples of this. I don't want to, I want to be a good example. Matthew chapter 23. One of the things got Jesus into so much trouble is he, he, he told the truth about these religious leaders. In Matthew 23, verse 1, Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, he wants to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. They've been given a position of authority religiously. Uh, you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but don't do what they do, for they don't practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. They make the phylacteries wide. That was the leather box that they keep the scriptures in. They, they wear it on their forehead, and they made it wide to say, I know more scripture than you. The tassels on their garments, they made them long. That was their prayer tassels. My prayer life's better than yours. They love the place of honor at banquets, most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted uh, with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you're all brothers. Don't call anyone on earth father, for you have one father and he's in heaven. Catholic Church you ought to read that one. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you, listen to this, the greatest among you will be your servant. And this is what I want you to really see. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Don't you marvel at Jesus? John chapter 13, one of the most... <laughs> incredible records of the life of Jesus. And this is just prior to him going to the cross. He would go to the garden of Gethsemane. He would sweat. He would experience what's called hematidrosis. And he's so emotionally distraught that the, the, the blood and the sweat are mixed and coming out, you know, and he's sweating great drops of blood. Chapter 13, verse 1, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world. He's going to the cross. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love another translation that says he loved them to the utmost. Another one says he showed them the full extent of his love. You would think that's the cross, but... Knowing he's going to the cross, look what he does. The evening meal was in progress. The devil had already prompted Judas son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power so he can get out of it. 
that he had come from God was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He washed all their feet, including Judas's. That's like you're in your last hours in this life, and you say to your wife, you mind if I do the dishes before I go to the hospital? He was the ultimate example. What, what a savior. What a savior. What a wise God. And here's what I, here's what I find. Uh, living as, as third, the Bible says, is genuine proof that I love God. It's not how much scripture you know. It's not how much you attend church. Not how, not how great an orator I am as a pastor. No, no. Look, so convicting, so challenging. Living as third is genuine proof that I love God. And I don't live third naturally. That's why Paul the Apostle said, I die daily. I die daily. John writes in 1 John chapter 4, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Because if you say you love God, who you don't see, and you don't love your brother, who you do see, it doesn't make sense. But here's the good part of living third. One more scripture just before we go to our very last scripture in the message, but go with me to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. This is where the rubber meets the road. Luke chapter 14. It's a dinner. Jesus is at the dinner. In verse 7, look at what it says. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place. So when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. And now here's the statement again. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's what we're saying together. You ready? Here we go. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jacob and Esau, how did Jacob get his name? His twin brother was coming out of the womb first. And he wanted to be first. So he grabbed his brother's heel. He's a baby. But the sin nature is there even in the womb. And he wanted to pull his brother back and get out first. God prophesied about his life. That in the culture... The firstborn, which Esau was the firstborn, Jacob wasn't able to pull him back and get out first, and yet God had a plan for Jacob's life. And it was prophesied that for him, it wouldn't be like the culture where the firstborn gets the double inheritance, that the younger is going to get what the older in the culture would normally get. But he would have to learn that, that God was going to do it. He'd have to learn to live by faith. 
And if you know the story of Jacob, it was a tough lesson and he's living his life and he's trying to manipulate and he's trying to deceive dad and he's trying to buy the birthright from his brother and he didn't have to do any of that. He didn't have to manipulate. He didn't have to stress. He didn't have to, he just had to trust God. But it's a challenge. Here's what I conclude. By living a life of third, which is true humility, I allow God to sovereignly move me up in life according to his will. But if I seek to move myself up, which is pride, and that's the motivation, selfish ambition, pride, I leave him no other choice but to humble me for my own good. Wish I could say I have a perfect track record and I've made mistakes, but as I reflect on my life, especially in light of this message, one of the things I am thankful for, I got to sit with my daughter a few months ago, and it just happened to be me and her on a Sunday afternoon. I think it was a Sunday afternoon. Anyway, it was, it was afternoon, and, and she wasn't working, and I wasn't working, and nobody else was in the house. And she began a conversation with me, and she began to ask me about my ministry in the years past. I was so thankful to be able to tell my daughter I never envisioned the size of the ministry God would one day put me over. I never did a demographic study. I never sat in a meeting with my leaders trying to figure out how we can get more people in the church. And I was able to just tell her kind of my testimony of ministry and, and that I'm so thankful that I never had to make it happen. Just try to be faithful. Now, I made mistakes, but look, I, when I look at what God's done, I thought in my life, I've never asked for a raise. And as I prepared the message, I went and I looked at the house we live in, and I went again and said, thank you, Lord. What, a, what an amazing thing. What a nice house. It's not opulent. It's not grand, but it's, it's a nice house. And I, I never sought for it. You don't have to. You don't have to. If you'll just trust God, if you'll just do your best to live a life of third, and we don't do it naturally, and we all know what it is to be humbled, but all oh, the fruit of that humility. I want to take you to one last text, and then we'll close it out. Now in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 13, and I'm just going to summarize, and then we're going to close. I'll read a couple of the scriptures here in Genesis 13, but it's the story of Abram before his name was changed to Abraham and his nephew Lot. They began their journey of faith together. God blessed both of them in all kinds of ways. He blessed them materially, so much so that there's quarreling between um, Abram's servants and Lot's servants over the sustenance for all their, their herds and their flocks. In verse 8, this is amazing. Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we're close relatives. It's not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. You know what that is? That's putting God first by faith, trusting God, considering Lot as nephew as second, 
and putting himself third. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan toward Zor was well watered like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. Verse 11, so Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and sat out toward the east. And the two men parted company. Lot's choice was based on the grass is greener. Lot's choice was a carnal, selfish choice. Abram's choice was by faith. Abram's choice was God's first, Lot's second, I'm third. And after they parted company, watch what happens. Verse 14, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north, south, east, and west. All the land you see, I will give to you and your descendants forever. Lot's choice got him into all kinds of trouble. He continued to make bad choices by putting himself first. Abram put God first, himself second, and God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to exalt you, and I'm also going to give you everything you see. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I put a lot of practical ways in my notes of how I can live this out, and there's so many ways you can live this out. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He said, I'm your master, but I've washed your feet. I've left you an example that you should do as I've done unto you. And so when I offer to wash the dishes, I'd rather just go plop down on the recliner, let my wife do the dishes. God first, I'm second. She's second, I'm third. Does that mean I do the dishes every single time? No. This is a harder one for me. Here's what I put. And I almost want to delete it in my notes. And I certainly don't want to show my wife, and glad she's not here in this service. Let my wife choose what to watch on TV. If you're a football fan, Sunday afternoon, you want to watch Anne of Green Gables or the Bucks? <laughs> well, it depends on if you love the Bucks more than your wife. I mean, come on. That's where the rubber meets the road. For me, say a blessing over the car that cut in front of me and not blow my now repaired horn. So many practical ways. Jesus said, after he washed their feet, here's what he said. Now, you'll be blessed if you memorize these scriptures. You'll be blessed if, as a pastor, you can teach this and everybody listen up. No, you'll be blessed if you do them. That's the challenge. Mother was preparing pancakes for her sons, Kevin, age five, and Ryan, age three, the boys began to argue over who would get the first pancake. Their mother saw the opportunity for a moral lesson. So she said, boys, if Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. Kevin then turned to his younger brother and said, Ryan, you be Jesus. <laughs> I 
Honey, you be Jesus. No, no, no. God's called us. Is God first in my life? If God's first in my life, others will be second. I tertius. Thanks for joining us today to study the Book of Romans on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings by visiting ccfstpete.church. Once you're there, just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We'd also like to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on the latest videos. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send us that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're ever in the St. Petersburg area, feel free to join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. Check out our website for service times and all the information you need to join us. We're also live streaming our services for those who are unable to meet in person. So please don't let distance stop you from worshiping with us. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today, but we hope that today's teaching from the Book of Romans has encouraged you. Be sure to join Pastor Danny Hodges next time, right here on The Living Word.